Good morning, church. Wow, this has been like a full day, hasn't it? Woo, we're dedicating babies, we're baptizing. It's just been so awesome. The worship was amazing. So thank you guys for being here. I see some families that are full today because children have arrived home or grandparents have their kids home and it's good to see everyone. We're so glad that y'all are joining us today on this awesome Mother's Day. How many of you love to read a good story? So I'm a former educator and I love books. I love reading to kids. I have read every children's book imaginable that you can imagine. I love to dig into stories. And I think I love stories so much because they can take us on adventures. They can help us to discover new things. We can be creative and use our imagination. And I love the fact that they can take us on journeys that are kind of up and down. They can make you feel sad. Sometimes you can cry when you're reading a story. Sometimes people are going to experience some joy and sometimes sorrows and then sometimes there's loss and redemption and over the past few weeks we have been studying such a story in the book of Ruth I love 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 this book in the Bible so so much I think it teaches us so much about God and what his provision, what he's going to provide for us, and how he is our redeemer. And so this story is going to continue today. We've heard for the last two weeks, chapters one and two, and today we're going to hear chapter three. But I'm aware that some of you may not have been here the last couple of Sundays, so I'm going to do just a quick recap so you'll know where we are. The story story takes place during a time of the judges, and so there's a lot of violence, there's war, and there's a famine in Bethlehem. And so we have a family, Elimelech, Naomi, and their two sons who are leaving Bethlehem, And they're going to this real pagan territory of of Moab to live just so that they can survive. They're going to live there for about 10 years. And during that time, both sons marry two Moabite women. This is important because according to Deuteronomy, it tells us that they're not really supposed to be marrying anyone outside of people who believe in God. And the people of Moab are not godly people. And so they've married two Moabite women, and then all of a sudden, the dad and the two sons die. And so we have Naomi and both of the daughter-in-laws, Orpah and Ruth, there. They have no children of their own, and so they have no way to provide. There's no provision. In Moab, there's not really a lot of rules to help care for widows, and so they're really on their own. They can't really have jobs, and so they've got to figure this out. And so Naomi has decided that she has heard there's no more famine in Bethlehem, so she's going to return to her home. And she looks at these two daughter-in-laws and says, look, I don't have anything else for you. Y'all need to go back home to your families. And Orpah agrees. She goes back home, but the scripture tells us that Ruth clings to Naomi. And then we hear Ruth say this, wherever you go, I will go. Where you live, I will live. Your people are now my people and your God is my God. So something happened with Ruth. There's been a shift in her thinking. She is now accepting Naomi's God as her God Yahweh is her God. 
I believe Naomi was probably a pretty huge influence over Ruth. They were probably living within the same household together. And so Naomi has modeled what it means to be a godly woman. And so it's not really a surprise that Ruth has shifted some thinking. She's had a good godly model for her. That influence was big enough that she refused to go home to the safety of her family and continue on the path with Naomi. Now, they have no biological blood reason to stay together. There are no children out of this family, but she chooses to stay with Naomi anyway. Naomi and Ruth embark on this journey together. They arrive in Bethlehem, and everyone recognizes Naomi. Naomi has left 10 years prior full of joy. She's full of adventure. She's excited about what's happening with her family. And she returns bitter, and she's very hopeless at this point. So people recognize her as looking different. Last week, Pastor Allen really set up chapter two beautifully. Um, The entire book is set under really patriarchal cultural circumstances. So the women do not have a lot of worth and value. They are really often mistreated during this time. And in order to survive, they're going to need to find some husbands. So there's a problem with that because Naomi is an older woman who is probably not able to bear children anymore. And then we have Ruth, who is a foreigner, and no one's supposed to be marrying someone who doesn't believe in the same God. So they're under some dire circumstances here. Ruth decides to set out. She gleans grain, and she just so happens to glean grain in a field of a relative of Naomi's dead husband, and this man's name is Boaz. This is important because he ends up being a family guardian redeemer. And a family guardian redeemer is somebody that has this obligation to take care of family members whose husbands have passed on. And this is important because they need to take care of their land and protect their land and and carry on the namesake. So he is actually the family guardian redeemer. Now, Boaz is very kind. He sees Naomi and he sees Ruth and he sees how Ruth is caring for Naomi. She is going out in the heat of the day all day long, just getting whatever she can off the side so that she can provide food. And he thinks this is really, really awesome. He thinks she is a woman of good character She is described like we see the Proverbs 31 to be described. And so he notices her. He protects her and says, don't be gathering grain by yourself anymore. I have a group of women that do this. Go ahead and go with them. So he's he's giving provision to her and he's protecting her. And he shows her value and worth. And as chapter 2 ends, we learn that the wheat and barley harvest is coming to an end. And so that means that Naomi and Ruth are not going to be able to glean grain anymore. So no gleaning, no food. So this is a pretty serious time for them. But Naomi has a small glimmer of hope because Boaz continues to provide for them. So we've made it through two chapters and already there's tragedy, there's loss, there's a lot of bitterness, a lot of feeling sorry for ourselves, there's some hopelessness, 
but, but we have just a little bitty small glimmer of hope. Last week, we were reminded of a scripture of Romans eight twenty eight, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. The story of family sounds familiar to us. Sometimes we have tragedy. Sometimes we have great joys. Today is a joyful day for many, but it's a tragic day for so many others. We have ups and downs with family members. We have to stick it out with them sometimes when they even drive us crazy, right? But family is a gift from God. Sometimes we may even get angry with him. Sometimes we may feel like God is not working things out for our good, but we are learning through the book of Ruth that he is always in control and he is always providing for us. So now we're caught up. Let's dive into chapter three. If y'all will open your Bibles to Ruth three, we're gonna start with verses one through seven. One day, Ruth's mother-in-law, Naomi, said to her, my daughter, I must find a home for you where you will be provided for. Now, Boaz, with whose women you have worked as a relative of ours. Tonight, he will be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. Wash, put on perfume, and get dressed in your best clothes. Then go down to the threshing floor, but don't let him know that you are there until he has finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, note the place where he is lying, then go down, uncover his feet, and lie down. And, he, and then he will tell you what to do next. I will do whatever you say, Ruth answered. So she went down to the threshing floor, and she did everything that her mother-in-law asked her to do. When Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he went and lied down at the far end of the grain pile. Ruth approached quietly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. So suddenly, it sounds like Naomi has a renewed hope as she recognizes the possibilities for their future. Naomi is convinced that she's got to help Ruth to marry Boaz. After all, he is the family redeemer, and it's sort of his job to do so. So she notices how kind that Boaz has been to Ruth, and she decides to help help Ruth to be able to get, you know, looking a little better so that she can get noticed, <laughs> hopefully get married, and then redeem the family. She's essentially saying, Ruth, you stink. It's time to get a bath. <laughs> You've been wearing clothes that represent death because she's still been mourning her husband. And those clothes said to anybody that she was in mourning. And so she is saying, take off those clothes, Put on some clothes that will let them know that you're available and that you're ready to move on and be ready to get married. She's also saying, put on a little perfume. You need to smell a little bit better. Go ahead and sneak on in to the threshing room floor. Be really quiet. Uncover his feet and then lie down. I got to tell you guys, I read this and I thought this is crazy. I'm a mama and there is no way I would tell my daughter to do this. <laughs> no part in it. I can't even envision saying to my daughter, just 
when he lies down, go ahead and sneak around, uncover his feet, and lie down at his feet. It's super dangerous <laughs> that she is putting herself in this position. She could have been rejected. She could have been hurt. It's a super bold plan, but she's following it because she is so loyal to Naomi. I can't imagine a widow Moabite woman garnering the courage to go through this plan. And I've got to tell you guys, when I saw that I was going to be preaching Ruth 3, I literally laughed out loud. Like I giggled because I thought, okay, I'm going to preach and this is just great. I'm preaching about Ruth that has to get all dolled up, sneak around at night, sneak in, lie at the the foot of Boaz and then uncover his feet. I mean, come on. (laughs) Like God, seriously, this is the passage of scripture that I am having to preach from. And immediately he reminded me of something. Immediately he reminded me of something. He said, Bridget, you can relate to Ruth. That's why today you need to be talking about Ruth. I can relate to wanting to be noticed by somebody. As a matter of fact, my parents started praying over me before I was ever born. They began praying for the man that I would one day marry And this is really amazing to hear. Raise your hand if you're 15 down here. Any 15-year-olds? No 15-year-olds in the house? Okay. (laughs) When I was your age, I saw my husband for the first time, and I knew immediately I was going to marry him. Immediately, just by laying my eyes on him. And I know the reason that that happened is because my parents had prayed over me so much, continually prayed over me. And so when I recognized him, I saw that it was a moment of my parents' prayers being answered. And it was also a moment that God was able to open my eyes to what he had in store for me. Now, there was still a matter of me meeting this person and being noticed by him because he was a senior in high school and I was a sophomore. And in our high school, I see Chad here today, you'll so appreciate this. In our high school, we had a ramp that went between two floors. And during breaks and at lunch, this ramp ended up being like a grade hierarchical type system. Seniors could be at the top, and then juniors, and then sophomores, and then the poor little freshmen, like they couldn't even be close to the ramp. They had to be kind of down the hallway. And so per the rules as a sophomore, I really couldn't walk up to Preston as a senior and just introduce myself. It was really unheard of at that time, but I knew what God had revealed to me. And so it gave me great confidence of what the outcome would eventually be. (laughs) So I decided I had to figure out how to position myself to meet Preston. So I wake up one morning and I decide today's the day. So I'm going to get up a little early. I'm going to make myself look a little better because I want him to notice me looking good. And, And I put myself in the right position. So we have a break. And I thought, this is it. And I walk up garnered the courage, walked up to him, just stood there and introduced myself. Now, he remembers this a little differently, right? Yeah, he remembers an awkward sophomore just walking up to him and standing there. I assure you I spoke, right? (laughs) The point is, I positioned myself in a place to be noticed, 
God opened my eyes to possibilities and I had to boldly take the first step to get to it. Ruth has positioned herself to be noticed. Now it's different than what any of us would have probably done, but she's positioned herself to be noticed. Naomi has convinced her that this is a good plan and she loves Naomi. She is so loyal to Naomi. Now you may be wondering, why did Naomi tell her to uncover his feet and then lie down? Good question. (laughs) Naomi is essentially saying, uncover his feet because that's gonna then reveal to him that he's the family redeemer And as the family redeemer, he is going to be able to marry her. Let's read on. Verse 8 through 10. In the middle of the night, something startled the man. He turned, and there was a woman lying at his feet. Who are you? He asked. I am your servant, Ruth, she said. Spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are my guardian redeemer of my family. Wow. Boaz wakes up in the middle of the night and he sees a woman lying at his feet. It's dark, so he can't really tell who she is. So he's thinking, there's a woman at my feet. Who are you? And she says, it's Ruth. I am Ruth, your servant. I, I got to say, you know, she also says, spread the corner of your garment over me. And as we continue to read, it's just a very good reminder to us that we're really in a different time, in a different culture. The way things are done now are very different than the way they were then. Ruth is essentially asking Boaz to marry her. Now, that is not normal for that period of time. A a woman that's not even from that area is not usually going to walk up to a man and ask for marriage, but it's a bold plan. Remember, she's being fearless. So we have her being courageous. She's bold. She's fearless. But we have to remember, she knows Boaz. Boaz has been spending time with her. We know that he has been respectful to her. He is helping provide for her and to protect her. And she knows that in the community, he's a man that has a good reputation, So he is treating her with kindness, respect, and provision. When she uses the phrase, spread your corner of your garment over me, we are reminded of the very blessing that Boaz spoke to her in chapter 2. He said in chapter 2, verse 12, May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. This is really similar wording to Psalm 91 that says, under his wings, you will find refuge. And this is a beautiful illustration of how God spreads his wings of protection over us. When Ruth asks for him to cover her, she is essentially asking for marriage and protection. Ruth was asking Boaz to actually take a part in his previous blessing. And I bet it was pretty special for Boaz to really realize and understand that when he spoke that blessing, God was already preparing that Boaz would be the one to fulfill that. It's just beautiful how God works. And this is such a beautiful love story to watch unfold. It's not only a love story between the two of them, but it's a love story that reminds us of our God and how he loves us and what he does to protect us. 
I know you're wondering what in the world could be the response here. What is he going to do? Let's read on. Verse 10. The Lord bless you, my daughter, he replied. The kindness, your kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. You have not run after younger men, whether rich or poor. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all that you ask. All of the people of my town know that you are a woman of noble character. Although it is true that I am your guardian redeemer of this family, there is another who is more closely related than I. And he also said, bring me your shawl that you've been wearing and hold it out. When she did, he poured into it six measures of barley, placed it in a bundle on her shoulder, and went back to town. It sounds like Boaz immediately recognizes Ruth's intentions are pure. He is humbled and honored that she would choose him as an older man rather than choosing a younger man. And then he agrees to marry her and thus redeem her. He speaks words of affirmation and assurance into her. But then he reveals there's just one little small problem. And isn't there always a good twist in a story? This is it. There's another that's more closely related than him. And so if that one wants to marry her, then it's his obligation to do it. I can imagine Ruth went from pure joy to fear like within a matter of seconds. I, I can think to myself that she's probably saying, well, well who is he? Is he going to be as kind to me as Boaz? Will he take care of Naomi? Will, will he do just like Boaz? I hope he's a good man. And I imagine that Boaz must sense her anxiety because he immediately says, don't worry, I'm going to handle everything in the morning. So she hoists this big old shawl full of barley over her shoulder and she walks home to Naomi. Verse 16, when Ruth came to her mother-in-law, Naomi asked, how did it go, my daughter? Then she told her everything Boaz had done for her. He gave me these six measures of barley saying, don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Then Naomi said, wait. Wait, my daughter, until you find out what happens, for the man will not rest until the matter is settled today. I bet it was so difficult for Naomi to wait for Ruth to get back and tell her what happened. She probably didn't sleep all night long, just praying and making sure that God was protecting her. Immediately, she enters the door, and the first question isn't, hey, how's it going? It's, well, <laughs> what happened? Are you engaged? Are we redeemed? What's going on? Tell me, how did the meeting go? And Ruth immediately tells her everything that has happened. And as an additional kind, a sense of kindness towards Naomi, she said, look at this. He's given me all of this barley just for you. So he continues to provide for them, but there is someone else. There is a closer family redeemer. She must have seen them settled because immediately Naomi says, wait, my daughter, be patient. Don't get all worked up. Be patient. He's telling us that he is going to do something and he won't finish until it's settled. So chapter 3 leaves us with this big cliffhanger. This has been quite a page turner. You have to come back next week to hear the rest. Naomi has moved 
from this feeling of emptiness and total hopelessness to a full-on plan of redemption. How in the world did she get there? How did she get there from such despair all the way to this plan? Somehow she's able to see a light at the end of the tunnel that not everybody can see. I, I believe that we need to remember that she's a womanly, I mean, a godly woman. She, she knows God. She knows him intimately as her Lord and Savior. She fully understood that God was in control and she believed that so much that she truly believed she was being punished by God, and she seemed like she was okay to just take that punishment because he's in control. But what she didn't realize is that God was never punishing her. He was providing a way for her through a young daughter-in-law named Ruth. And Ruth, Ruth was focused on survival. I see her as having tunnel vision. She is doing all she can to provide for Naomi. When Naomi gets that little glimmer of hope, she went with it. She jumped in quick. It had opened her eyes, her heart, and her mind to brand new possibilities. She had to have experienced God providing for her in the past because she moved quickly when she got that little glimmer of hope. She took action. She set a plan in motion, and it was through Naomi's life experiences with God that she was able to speak true wisdom into Ruth. She set a plan in motion, and then she waited patiently for God to respond. God gives us wisdom and an ability to discern when we seek his guidance. She focused her attention on God, and then she waited. So often, we run ahead of God, don't we? We run ahead of him for a variety of reasons. Sometimes it's because we're just control freaks and we have to be in charge. And other times it's because we just have a really hard time waiting. We're not very patient people. Naomi demonstrated faithfulness. She demonstrated it beautifully to Ruth. She also demonstrated full dependence on God. She demonstrated what it meant to be a godly woman. And because of that, not only did Ruth's life change, but everything changed. God was preparing the way through, Ruth, through Naomi's family for his very own son. Naomi was blessed as she continued to follow God, even though she felt defeated lost and abandoned. God blessed her with Ruth, and it was through Ruth's loyalty to her that they found a way together to be redeemed. That's a beautiful picture of family. God will also bless us as we follow his path if we put ourselves in a position to be used for his service, to be used for the purpose that he has created us for. People of God Family can sometimes be exhausting, can't it? As young moms, you are tired, you are running around, and some days you're not feeling super joyful. You're, you're feeling pretty alone. You're feeling pretty exhausted and tired. But that's not the end of our story, is it? We have a God that brings us joy and fullness. He can bring it all to you, but we've got to learn what it means to wait patiently 
for him. So I have a couple of questions. Do you guys intimately know our Heavenly Father? Do you have a personal relationship with him? Do you fully understand that he will provide everything for you? You don't have to ask if he will. I'm telling you, he will provide for you. He can open your eyes and your mind and your heart to brand new possibilities that you never, ever, ever dreamed of. With his help, we can actually even wait patiently. That's huge. (laughs) He has come so that we might be set free. We are all redeemed. Praise be to God because he is our family redeemer. Let's pray. God has been such an amazing day. It is beautiful to see families dedicate their babies, to see people dedicate their lives and say yes to you through the believer's baptism. It's beautiful to hear words of worship to you and have a full room of people praising you in song. And God, Ruth is such a beautiful message of provision, and I just thank you so much that we have a privilege to be able to read your book to be able to learn from your book, and to be able to know that we are redeemed. Thank you for loving us all so much. Thank you for providing Jesus to us so that we can have a way to have a personal relationship with you. In your heavenly name, amen.